0: You're listening to Bible Prophecy Daily, a weekday podcast where Bible prophecy matters and matters greatly. Hey everybody, I hope you're doing well. This is an exclusive podcast just for the Bible Prophecy Daily podcast feed, which was uh, curated by Alan Kirshner. It's a project I'm very excited about. It is a lot of different hosts who are talking about Bible prophecy, generally, I think entirely from the pre-wrath perspective, though all the content is not about pre-wrath. But it it was a natural fit for this discussion about Luke 21-36. I got an email recently Uh, from someone who asked me about this question and a few other things. And I thought, well, this is a great opportunity to look into it and see what we can figure out about it. And it's of particular relevance, I think, to the pre-wrath community. So it's a nice fit to say it here on this podcast feed. So Luke 21, 36 is a challenging verse. And let me just read the verse itself it says but stay awake at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the son of man so pray that you can escape all these things now this is the at the towards the end of Luke 21 in which uh, he's talked about the abomination of desolation and the coming of the son of man the lesson of the fig tree and then he says you know pray that you can escape all these things is he saying That you can escape all these things, including the Great Tribulation, uh, which is earlier in this chapter. So does all these things that you we can pray to escape? Is does that include the Great Tribulation and all the things that came chronologically before this in the chapter? So you could see how this would be a great argument for a pre-tribulationalist to use where their main argument is that the church will escape not just the day of the Lord, which as f- far as I can tell, all the positions believe, except for some versions of some post-tribulationalists, but most of the positions believe that they're going to escape the day of the Lord. But is this saying that Luke also believes that it's possible that we can escape all these things, meaning the great tribulation, which begins at the midpoint as well. And what's interesting is that you don't actually, or at least in my experience, I haven't had this verse brought to me um, by pre-tribulationalists, even though it seems like something that they would use. But it's not, in my experience, a verse that they bring up very much. And my intuition is that they understand that that their view on Matthew 24, for example, um, puts this section what they would consider to be an Armageddon anyway. So it really doesn't help them very much, but it's still uh, important for us to figure out. And I have had other people challenge the pre rath position in general with it, even though they may not have thought that through. But we'll get into that a little bit later. So let, let's look at this and see what we can figure out. I think it's first helpful to look at what we as pre rathers already know about what it says about the church not escaping if you will, the Great Tribulation, and we really don't have to look very much further than the other two um, Gospels, Synoptic Gospels, related to the Olivet Discourse. For example, it says in Matthew 24, that line that pre hate so much, immediately after the Tribulation of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light, And it goes on to talk about the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven, power and great glory, he's going to send out his angels, loud trumpet call, gather his elect, four winds, etc. So that gathering of the elect and the trumpet call and uh, the sun and the moon, that happens after, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, in this case, pre-Rathers are very fond of doing the thing that we don't want to do in the Luke verse, which is to say, what are those days? Well, imme- the immediate context of, of this, immediately after the tribulation of those days, what are those days? I mean, the, the, the words that come just before this immediately is said is subtitled the abomination of desolation in most Bibles. In other words the Great Tribulation, since the Great Tribulation starts with the abomination of desolation, and then the greatest persecution of all time happens, uh, such that if it had not been cut short, no human being would be saved, etc., etc. And then it says immediately after the, well, it goes into, uh, if anyone says, you look, here's the Christ, or there, don't believe it, for false Christ and false prophets, it goes on to talk about, uh, other things that happen chronologically after the great tribulation. And then it says Immedi- immediately after the tribulation of those days. So in this case, there is, as far as I know, no intellectually honest way to get around the fact that those days, that the Tribulation, that immediately after the tribulation of those days, is a reference to the abomination of desolation and the great tribulation that follows it. So the sun, moon, and star sign, therefore, and the gathering of the elect must come after the great tribulation. And I think, to a certain extent, pre tribulationalists agree that uh, with that premise, because that's why they uh, feel it necessary to make the gathering of the and the trumpet call and the gathering of the elect for so many years have made that be Armageddon, because it's the only thing that could chronologically, it's the only event that they can think of that would be chronologically after the midpoint and after the tribulation of those days is Armageddon in their mind. And um, so so they agree with that premise. But what I'm trying to say here is that we as pre rathers know that, that immediately after those days and we see the rapture, obviously, the sun, the sun moon, and the star sign in the rapture happening just after that. So we know for sure, based on the correct interpretation of this verse, that the church does in fact go through the tribulation of those days. If we're not going to get raptured until immediately after the tribulation of those days, well, then the church goes through the tribulation of those days. It's pretty open and shut case. So we know that this verse, that, that this chapter seems to suggest that the church, it's basically explicit that the church goes through the tribulation of those days. And we could look at the other synoptic as well. In Mark, it says, Uh, Again, right after the section that's titled the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place for those days will be such tribulation Such as not from the beginning of creation. So this is Mark's account of the exact same thing and then he says directly after that But in those days after the tribulation The Sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. So again, we have more or less explicit proof from the other synoptics uh, of the Olivet Discourse that the church does, in fact, go through the tribulation if they're not getting raptured until after the tribulation. If, if the sun, moon, and star sign, which we as pre rathers know, is a precursor to the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord can't have started until the sun, moon, and star sign, according to Joel 2.31. So we'll put all that stuff together, as we are so wont to do, and there you go. That's, that's two two now that basically demand that the church goes through the tribulation that it can't that that escape all these things if, if by that luke means the great tribulation then then he is now contradicting apparently both matthew and mark uh, i would go so far as to say where we get the term the great tribulation is sort of um um when the book of revelation in chapter 7 uses the term explicitly which is i believe a reference to the oliva discourse but it uses the term great tribulation megathelipsis instead of um another term but anyway it says the one of the elders addressed me this is when the great multitude that no one can number appeared in heaven right at the perfect time as we pre rathers uh, uh, uh no it's right after the sealing happens the sixth seal and all of a sudden this multitude appears in heaven and they say you know who are these guys And the angel says, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. So, and this is, I should should submit, a a multitude that no one can number. That in itself is an argument that this is the church from all ages. I mean, every tribe, nation, and tongue can't number them. I know the pre-tribulational view is that these are the uh, tribulation saints. But I think I always think that the, the very fact that they're innumerable, according to John, is an argument that it can't be just the tribulation saints. For example, John, in the same book, is able to number 200 million men with apparently no trouble at all. So does that is 200 his limit, or could he do 300 million, 400 million, 500 million, 600 million, etc.? And so if this numeral innumerable, he can't even number how many these guys are. They're from every tribe. Every nation. Every, I mean that <laughs> these are pretty big terms. Uh, so it seems to me that this is the larger group. Of course, the the if there was such a thing as the tribulation saints, they would presumably be much, 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 much smaller of a group than the church from all ages, right? And then, of course, what does the pre tribulationists do? This is getting off the subject a little bit, but they they try to make the church in the book of Revelation be the twenty four elders. You know, they're a uh, um, hyper-allegorized, you know, symbolic view of the church as 24 instead of, I would argue the 24 elders are probably actually 24 angelic beings in the throne room of God. But nevertheless, I'm getting off the subject here. Uh, my point is that the, these people that are explicitly said to be Christians, they wash the robes white in the blood of the lamb, they come out of the great tribulation. So there's yet another explicit reference that the church goes through the Great Tribulation, and is in part martyred by it. And I would say Second Thessalonians two, another one of our favorite uh, uh, verses, is another instance of this where it says, Uh, You know The fact that the day of the Lord has come, let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called god or object of worship so that he uh, takes a seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. So Paul is saying the day of the Lord can't come, which we would say is pictured by the sun, moon, and star signs in the Olivet Discourse. Explicitly, the herald of the day of the Lord. That day can't come unless the rebellion and the abomination of desolation, the man of lawlessness taking a seat in the temple of God, etc. So, all of this, we have a symphony of everything saying the same thing. I mean, that's the beauty of the pre wrath um, argument is that we don't have any contradictions. And But now it looks like we might, right? Because we've got this Luke 21 36 thing that's saying, But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. So let me start off by telling you what my conclusion will be, and then I'll go through the argumentation about how I got there and why I think it makes perfect sense. The conclusion is that when Luke says, uh, have strength to escape all these things, what he is referring to are the things associated with the day of the Lord's wrath, which we would agree you can escape. And that watchfulness is what we're called to do so that we are prepared uh, and to escape that day. What he is not referring to by all these things is the great tribulation. So that's what I'm going to land on. And let me talk you through how I got there. The first thing I think that's important to do is line up this outline of, of the Olivet Discourse and the three different gospel accounts of it and see that they're all doing the same thing in terms of the chronology. So, for example, Luke, uh, well, let's start with Matthew 24, since it's sort of, a, 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 as pre-Rathers, we're, we're hyper-familiar with it. So, the disciples ask the question, what are going to be the signs of your return? Jesus gives them a long list of signs um, including the great tribulation, the abomination of desolation, the great persecution that follows that. And he concludes that section with talking about the sign and the sun, moon, and stars, which culminates in the actual rescuing from just before the day of the Lord starts. That is the, the rapture and the angels and the trumpets and the gathering. And then, so that's, that's let's call that section one. And then all of these three gospels then go into the fig tree parable which basically says you will know that summer is near and the same way that you know that summer is near you'll see the signs that i just got done talking about and know that the day of the lord is near um and then after the fig tree parable in all three uh, matthew mark and luke the next thing is the parables about watchfulness regarding specifically the day of the Lord. These are the familiar parables about Noah and the faithful and wise servant, the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, all of them having the same basic punchline, if you will, which is watch therefore, since you the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. That that hour is going to come upon you suddenly, so you need to uh Uh, Live your life a certain way in expectation of that, but there's also in all of those or most of those there is this sense of escaping it. Um, The reason why you are watchful is so that you can escape it. So, for example, Noah obviously escapes in the in the boat. Uh, The two women grinding at the mill, one is taken, one is left. You know, the ten virgins, some are taken, some are not. So there's a, there's a very consistent theme in addition and to the overarching theme of being watchful since you don't know the hour. The reason you're watchful is so that you can escape. So that's the, the, the big thing to notice here, uh, in addition to the fact that all of the three gospels have the same outline. Uh, they all hit this watchfulness section at the same time about the day of the Lord, the thing that we want to escape is that Matthew, the one that we're the most familiar with, or at least most pre rathers that I know are familiar with um, Matthew, it devotes, just based on I copy and pasted it from the ESV into Word and found that it was 1,366 words, according to that. 1,366 words were devoted to the watchfulness section, Um, maybe a little bit less than that, since I did probably copy the uh, last section about the final judgment, which is probably about the sheep and goat judgment. So maybe a little bit less than that, but let's, let's call it a thousand words devoted to that in Matthew. Now in Mark, the outline is the same. You know, he goes from the signs to the fig tree, to the watchfulness parables, but Mark only devotes 125 words to the watchfulness parables. And Luke devotes even less than that, about 118 words. So about a 10th of the words are devoted to the same thing so matthew basically gives us the entire verbatim more or less speeches apparently of these parables where mark and luke give us a very small fraction of those words why is this important well the verse in question here uh, occurs in this section and to me that's all that is really needed to answer the question what does Luke mean when he says escape all these things is you can see that this, this section is clearly, you know, obviously in the same place, using the same words, using the same themes of drunkenness and, and watchfulness and, and, you know, be on guard because you don't know when the Son of Man is coming and you want to be able to escape all these things. All the same stuff is in the section in Luke when he says you want to be able to escape all these things. When that section in both Mark and Matthew are clearly, unambiguously talking about the day of the Lord. In fact, in the Luke uh, section, in Luke, 34 through 36 he says that day an obvious reference to the day of the lord but watch yourself lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life and that day come upon you suddenly like a trap for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth of the whole earth but stay awake at all times praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that you're going to take that are going to take place and stand before the son of man so to me that is enough to say that he's talking about the day of the Lord. And of course, we would all say that we can escape the day of the Lord. Before I move on to the next aspect of this that I want to talk about, I should say, you know, if you're not looking at this, it's, it's, hard to understand how far away from the, all these things, you know, have the strength to escape all these things. What came before that? The lesson of the uh, fig tree. What came before that? The sign of the sun, moon, and star signs, an obvious day of the Lord reference. So we're like at least three paragraphs away from what could be perceived as the um, great tribulation. So it's not like he just says, escape all these things, and he just got done talking about the great tribulation, which is the case in both Mark 13 and uh, uh, Matthew 24, when it says, after the tribulation of those days, and those days immediately preceding that, like no way around it, is definitely the great tribulation, which is the point that I made earlier. That is not the case here. You do have to, you have to kind of be like, well... The, uh, he's saying all these things, and well, let's go back three paragraphs. I mean, when do you stop? At the beginning? Or uh, what does all these things mean? Now, I would say we just got done explaining that if you know that this is just a truncated version of the Day of the Lord parables, which Matthew is the only writer to give us in its full context, then if you knew that, you could be sure that this is the day of the Lord, speaking of the day of the Lord, that is to say, you can escape all these things, the things that are included in the day of the Lord, not the things that everything that he just mentioned in the chapter, Um, then you could be sure of that because that's what those parables are about. While one critic could say, well, is the reader supposed to just understand that? I mean, if you just have a Luke, and I would say on the one hand, yeah, I mean, You can compare Luke with the other Gospels. There are many occasions in the New Testament where it's important to look at all the Gospels and compare them. If you find uh, something that doesn't seem right in one of them and you compare it and see the parallel passage in another one, oftentimes that's all you need to do to resolve the issue. And I think that is one issue here. But I think that there is even more evidence that Luke means by escape all these things, those things that he has in mind are things that would be associated with the day of the Lord's wrath and that he's already talked about those things in association with the day of the Lord, which would be what you would need in a natural reading of the text as well. In other words, I'm saying that we can we can prove this in two ways. One is by saying that this section that this verse appears about escaping all these things is the section about the day of the Lord in the other two passages. Therefore, these things is a reference to the day of the Lord and not the great tribulation because in those other sections, it wasn't about the great tribulation at all. It was about the day of the Lord. But we have another way, which is that and this is a, a two paragraphs earlier. He says, and there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And this is after he's gotten done talking about the great tribulation aspect, right? So this is also standard outline, all of the discourse stuff. We go through the signs, including the great tribulation. And then we get into the coming of the son of man section, which says, and there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars. Now I should back up and say, Luke is the only one that doesn't say explicitly after the tribulation of those days, Right. So it almost, you could make the argument that Luke is the least pre-wrath with regard to this because he doesn't use those words that we like to use so much. But, but I think it comes to the same place with the way that he does organize it. He says, and there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and foreboding of what is coming on the world. For the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing near. And so, by that last phrase, your redemption is drawing near, therefore, look up and you know, straighten up and raise your heads when you see the sign of the day of the Lord because that's your redemption. That is saying the same thing, essentially, uh, in terms of the order of events as it relates to the rapture. In other words, in in Mark and Matthew, it says, we know that what I'm about to talk about, the sun, moon, and stars, comes immediately after the tribulation. That chronologically sets the sun, moon, and star signs after the midpoint, after the abomination of desolation and the great tribulation. And then it explicitly describes the rapture. So we know that the rapture comes chronologically after the sun, moon, and star signs, which itself comes after the tribulation of those days, which is the great tribulation. And Luke, though he doesn't say after the tribulation of those days, does essentially tell us that the rapture is after the sun, moon, and star sign because it says, hey, look, that's when um, you should straighten up your, raise your head. So we have Luke telling us that the escaping, which is the rapture in both cases, comes only after the scene of the sun, moon, and star signs, right? So Luke has already told us that the rapture does not occur until after the sun, moon, and star sign. And everybody knows that the sun, moon, and star sign occurs after the Great Tribulation in Luke's account, in Mark's account, uh, etc. So now we do have the chronology of escape given to us by Luke that says that that moment of escape doesn't come until after the uh, sun, moon, and star sign. So there's no difference in the chronology as it relates to the rapture and what you can and can't escape in Luke. But I would also say that there is this interesting phrase that he says there, which is, Uh, And there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth, distress of nations and perplexity because of roaring of the seas and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding on, here's the phrase, what is coming on the world. So by that, he is talking about the wrath of God that the sun, moon, and star sign is foreboding. It is clear that we are to understand that this sun, moon, and star signs is a herald of the day of the Lord. It hasn't happened yet. That's the very nature of what he's saying. He's it's like, it's, a, it's about to come on the world, so they're fearful and foreboding of what is coming on the world. That is to say, the wrath. But... It's the same thing that we hear all over the New Testament about the day of the Lord. It's bad news for them, but for those who have been watching, it's great news. It's the day of their redemption. It's a day, the day of the Lord is the day that we are raptured, and it's the day that the wrath of God begins on everybody else. So it's a good day for us, a bad day for them. Very consistent here in Luke. But this phrase, what is coming on the world, shows us that Luke is very clearly telling us that this is a sign of the day of the Lord. So that that's important because when we jump down to watch yourselves, um, it says, but watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the cares of this life. And that day come upon, so the day of the Lord come upon you suddenly like a trap for it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. So what I'm trying to say is that that all who dwell on the face of the whole earth should be connected to his earlier reference to the day of the Lord of what is coming on the whole world or coming on the world. So if you connect those two things, then we're clearly talking about the day of the Lord, that fear, the reason that the world is fearful is for what is coming. But what Luke says earlier, but we get to escape that. So this is just another consistent theme of him saying, hey, remember what I said uh, about what's coming on the whole world and why they're fear and foreboding and how you get to escape that? Well, let me reiterate that and say that that you know, don't let that day come upon you suddenly for it will come upon those who dwell on the face of the whole earth, but stay awake at all times, praying that you have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place to stand before the son of man. Even the concept of standing before the son of man connects that to, um, you know, the the parables that are discussed here, uh, especially in Matthew, in which uh, the very phrase is used, son of man, uh, therefore you must also be ready for the son of man is coming in an hour you do not expect. And the angels of heaven and the gathering and all that stuff—it's very, very consistent. So, um, I guess that's all that I have on this. But it is something that I have, um, you know, been interested in looking into. And thanks to the person who sent me the email, that had a chance to look into it. But since I am—I do know that I'm talking to a lot of pre-rathers out there. Uh, check my facts on this. Uh, do you have anything to add to it? Is there anything that I should have um, uh, said differently? And you can go to my website, BibleProphecyTalk.com. My name is Chris, and I will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to Bible Prophecy Daily. We hope you learned something valuable today. Be sure to subscribe wherever you heard this podcast so you never miss an episode.